0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the works of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today's gospel story is told by Jesus in response to the warning that we heard last week. You cannot love God and wealth. You cannot worship God and at the same time worship wealth. Luke tells us that the Pharisees who overheard this began to scoff at Jesus. And Jesus says that they were lovers of money. Jesus bluntly tells them, you talk a good game, but God knows your heart. For what we prize as humans, power, wealth, influence, is not the things that God values. Jesus tells the story about a rich man and Lazarus as a warning to those of us who are lovers of money. And... Last I checked, I think everybody in America is lovers of money. Jesus does not hate wealthy people, but he is angered by the indifference that comes when money becomes our highest good. Jesus describes the rich man as one who is dressed in rich purple robes made of fine linen. Turning fabric to purple was expensive, and it was labor-intensive. It involved using sea snails that took out this yellow, icky substance, but when exposed to the sunlight, it would turn purple. And it took a lot of this sea snail slicky stuff, that's a lot of S's, to make the fabric turn purple. Most fabrics that people wore were off white, but if you saw someone in purple, you knew immediately they were wealthy. We might think about how in our own church tradition that in the seasons of Advent and Lent, those times in which we pay particular attention to Jesus as the coming king and the king who died for us, purple is the color of the season. Because Jesus is our king. This rich man feasted each and every day off of amazing foods. And Lazarus sat outside the gate of his house. And he simply wanted the crumbs from thy table. Instead, dogs came and they licked his sores. Day after day, he was hoping to get something that was tossed out. A bit of meat or bread, something that could satisfy his hunger. The poor man dies and is taken to heaven, but the rich man dies and is buried. Jesus tells us that this rich man is tormented in Hades. The suffering that Jesus talks about is using this Greek word, which basically is like the same thing as odyssey. It not only implies pain, but more importantly, it implies a restlessness, a a never quite feeling of being at home. It's the same root as Homer's odysseys. Somebody who is never quite settled. Somebody who longs to be settled, but simply can't. We might even think about our own times in which we have tossed and turned at night. Wanting and desiring to get comfortable so we can get to sleep and the comfort never comes. So the pain that this man feels is not only the torment of being in Hades but of never being able to go where he wants to go. We might be reminded of this words of Jesus that told us that those who were first would be last and those who were last would be first in the kingdom of God. In the rich man's world, he closed his eyes to the reality of the poor, ignoring not only his poverty and his need, but the rich man ignored Lazarus's very humanity much of the same way in uh, if you're like me you try to avoid locking eyes with people who are on the street corners it's a way of keeping them separate from ourselves often in scripture it is the anti story the how the story does not commonly go, go told is what's powerful. In Jesus' time, there was this common belief that the dead could send messages and warning and caution to their loved ones. The rich man does not want his brother to face the same fate that he is facing now, and so he says to Father Abraham to send Lazarus to tell and warn his brother's. Jesus says, look, if they haven't received the warning by now, they're never going to get it. There are well over 2,000 instances in Scripture that direct us to care and to love the poor, the immigrant, and the broken. And if they had not heard those messages by now, would they ever be able to get it? The rich man would have heard these messages from the law and the prophets and ignored them. So suddenly, why would his brother's hearts be changed? Last week, we heard from the prophet Amos, who said, instead of leaving the wheat that has fallen on the threshing floor for the poor, he says, you sweep it up and you sell it. Listen to Amos today. He says, alas, that's the word that's used, but it's more like woe. Woe for those who are at ease in Zion, for those who feel secure. He warns those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge on their couches, who eat lambs from the flock and calves from the stall. Those who listen to idle songs from the heart. And those who drink wine, not from a glass, but drink it from a bowl. Woe to those who anoint themselves with the finest oil, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. In other words, Amos is saying to us, woe to you who sit on the couch and you watch just one more episode on Netflix feeling secure that we are in the central part of America and we are far from any sort of enemies. Woe to you who feast out of what is in your fridge without concern for those who have little. Woe to those of you who deaden yourself with entertainment. Where's Andy Richardson and Bob Hauge when they need to hear this message about the dangers of concerts? Woe to you who sit there and drink yourself into a stupor and anoint themselves with the finest oils, making self-care the most important thing. Woe to you who sit there and don't realize what's going on in the world. Right? Amos' warning is the indifference that we often have to the suffering in the world. We sit there and we say, well, everything seems to be okay In my life, why do I need to worry about what's going on in Ukraine? Think of the older brother and the story of the prodigal son. The older brother wanted the poor to remain poor because he saw his brother as someone who wasted and squandered what was his. Why should he get an additional morsel? But it is the little brother. The one who has squandered, the one who has wasted, is the one whom Jesus came to announce that the kingdom of God has come near. He gathered his disciples and he said, I've got to tell you that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of the world. Blessed are you that are poor. Blessed are you, the portotokos which is what the Greek word is. Those of you who are on the margins of society, the kingdom belongs to you. Blessed are you who hunger, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. This text about the story of Lazarus and the rich man presents us with the great moral challenge of seeing and then making visible the invisible suffering of the world. Now, I get it. There is just so much suffering that we can take in. There are times, in fact, we do need to turn off our televisions and put down the newspaper. Newspapers were this thing that came like this, and they had news, and you <laughs> read about them. Jesus calls us to spend time and to care and to love the poor, the forgotten, the immigrant, the broken. Jesus proclaimed a nearness of a kingdom of God, something that was not just something that is in the future, but that the good news has come now. Blessed are those who are poor. He does not say, whoa. He says, blessed are you. The kingdom is now, and if Mary's song is, has any truth to it, it means that the poor will no longer be sent away in, empty because the kingdom has come near. So how do we do that? How do we care for the poor? Some of us may care for the poor through relief work. We go down to Iron Gate and we join with other Um, friends from Christchurch and we serve a meal one Sunday morning a month. Maybe we go to Thursday Night Light and we go and we serve food to those who live on the streets and are on the margins. For some of us, our care for the poor is more in development work. It's going and talking to Danielle, who is, I guess, at the women's retreat, to Danielle Hovenga and say, how do I help with children who have a parent in prison to make sure that this does not continue another generation? Whether your heart is to relief work of, 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 of relieving the immediate burden, go and do that. Or if your heart is within development work, the long, hard, trudging work, go and do that. Don't turn your blind eye to the suffering of others and don't deaden your own guilt and shame over it with things that will never sustain. Go and find a place to proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near and that Jesus loves those whose society and we often forget. Amen.